Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast, episode 207. Today we're wrapping up the week of July 17th. Joining me is my fellow associate, Wendy Rodriguez. Um, so, hello, Wendy. Hello, everybody. Hi, Anna. Great. Another week went by. <laughs> yeah, it's been a rather eventful week. Mm. Um, this past Sunday on July 16th, the city of Austin released their F- the fiscal year 23 and 24 budget publicly. Um, AJ and I covered that earlier this week on a separate podcast that will be linked in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, it's been a busy week, as you said. Uh, city Council returned from their summer break for a regular meeting yesterday on Thursday, July 20th. Uh, there was 196 items on the agenda, so it was pretty lengthy, but it was a lot of good stuff, though. Like, the agenda included items important to the community, uh, that it, which included pro-density, land development code amendments, and there were over 500 speakers registered. Um, among those items, like, apart from land dev- development code, there were also just a lot of diverse um, items on, like, even arts and culture on musicians, on police, poli- uh, public safety, and so on. Yeah, and I think one of the most, I guess, controversial items on the agenda was item 126. There was a lot of people registered, um, both for and in opposition for this item. And essentially, this item was going to um, decrease the um, uh, maximum lot or the minimum lot size and so currently right now i think it's like um it was going down from like five thousand to think two thousand feet we can confirm that in the show notes um and so that would allow for um, more units to be put on um, properties that are zoned single family zoning and so i think a lot of people were concerned um, based off of their testimony about neighborhood character Mm -hmm. uh, how that could potentially affect you know just privacy in their backyards um, and so, although there was a lot of people um, against it, there was also a lot of people um, in support of that item. And so it ended up passing with two members of council voting in opposition for it. But I think this item was um, pretty big because um, council member Leslie Poole, she's typically not been a um, pro-housing, pro-density member on council, but you know she kind of flipped this week and joined the majority of council. And um, I think she had about eight co-sponsors on this, um, or at least seven co-sponsors on this um, on this item. And um, the dissenting votes were Mackenzie Kelly, council member Mackenzie Kelly and council member Allison Alter. Um, Allison Alter represents district 10. Um, and that's typically the people that we see that are um, that group that's very, um, not anti-density, but they definitely want to protect their neighborhoods and kind of keep their neighborhood character. Um, one of the things that we definitely hear um, is, you know, the NIMBY versus YEMBY, the not in my backyard versus the yes in my backyard. <laughs> and um, so um, that was definitely, I think we saw like YEMBY versus NIMBY um, definitely happening at this week's council meeting. Um, and the other dissenting vote was Mackenzie Kelly. And so these places are definitely, um, their districts are definitely less dense. They don't have as many high rises like District 9 and the more central districts. So it was definitely, um, I think this was in line with what we expect. You know, Councilmember Allison Alter, she's typically been 
um, supportive of neighborhood advocates who um, don't want height and density in their neighborhoods, as well as Mackenzie Kelly, her district is just less dense because it's um, you know out closer up north and in Williamson County. Yeah, it was interesting to see the speakers and their the demographic of each like in support or against the item. Uh, we definitely saw a lot more younger folks in support of passing item 126 to reduce the lot size, just stating how unaffordable, unaffordable the city is um, and how even some have already benefited from having um, ADUs in their in just backyards. Um, but yeah, and just old, more older folks, um, like homeowners against it. Um, so yeah, it was just a, just a little interesting note that was seen. Yeah. And I will say, I think the one like, um, break from the trend was there was a couple, um, younger folks that were talking about the, um, environmental effects that increasing the amount of density on single family lots could, um, what that could do. And so I definitely think there's, um, there could potentially be a conversation about um, environmental regulations and kind of upping those if we do increase density. Um, but, you know, it passed. So we'll see what that resolution comes back as. It's expected to come back before um, the end of the year on December 14th. So um, we'll see what those amendments actually look like then. And then additionally, um, HB 2127, also known as the Death Star Bill, was on the agenda this week. And so um, at their work session, council took up HB 2127 in um, executive session. Um, you know, we previously reported that um, city of Houston filed suit on Monday, and it's been reported that San Antonio is also considering a lawsuit as well. And just as a refresher, HB 2127, um, also referred to as the Death Star Bill, um, is one that kind of standardizes regulations across the board in the state of Texas. So it does not allow um, cities to make uh, laws if the state has already legislated on them. And so um, stuff like water breaks, um, that's really been in the news for construction workers. Um, that's one of the things that this has affected and among a lot of other things. And so um, we could potentially be seeing the city of Austin take some action on that as well. For sure. And then there was also another item on the agenda that was just pretty notable. Uh, they're considered adding a reserve police force to the city of Austin. As we know and have heard, there is in just pretty much like understaffing with APD and just not enough uh, police to um, just be out there in the city. And so one of the um, ideas was to create a reserve police force that would bring former APD officers or city retired that retired um, to join um, this extra just manpower, like not manpower, just kind of eyes and uh, just, yeah, uh, into the city. Um, and with the, it wasn't like a very lengthy discussion, even it was pretty like receptive to everyone, I, I believe, even like uh, the Austin Justice Coalition co-founder um, president was got on board behind it. Uh, so this, it's really cool to just see like how that, like usually when like something comes up with and a police uh, reform or public safety item. It's usually pretty contentious. So it was pretty cool to see it pass through. Um, so it did pass um, just before adding two amendments um, uh, with uh, so Kadri adding an amendment, uh, adding a sunset, like um, a sunset date of two years after approval of the resolution. 
And then with Ryan Alter uh, also adding an amendment that would ensure that police officers utilize further reserve our officers that are honorably retired and without issues to their retirement. Um, but yeah, uh, it passed. And um, yeah, what do you what do you think about it, Hannah? Yeah, no, I think this definitely was um, something they needed to do just after the um, ending of the DPS partnership with APD. So it's good to see them taking action to continue to kind of meet the needs of the city. Um, you know, we see a lot of people saying that, um, you know, there's not enough police. Um, they don't feel safe in the city. And so um, it's good to see council really, um, you know, answering those cries as well as, um, you know, listening to the community when they said, you know, we don't want DPS here. Um, yeah. Cause there was a lot of people that felt, I think felt targeted by that. No, for sure. There's definitely, even though like there's not a lot of trust in policing or hasn't been, it's slowly starting to like, at least within our own police department, it's they, we, they, there's more community trust towards them as they are more in meetings there, uh, there's an audit going on, like I'm just analyzing how they're they're training cadets. Uh, so there's just like are a lot of community engagement going on that at least if we need police, at least get them from where we're like raising them. Yeah, and yesterday's council meeting went until about I want to say 7:45 last night, um, and so it's it started you know 10 a.m. on the dot. And, um, you know, we saw the um, police chief there as well as other members of the police force there at 10 a.m. And they stayed there through the whole thing. Um, so definitely um, seeing a lot of buy-in from them as well. Um, and then on the land development code side, the city of Austin staff has released an expedited timeline for housing code amendments. Um, one of the things we've been hearing, I think, from council on the dais as well as um, community members, planning commission members, um, is concerns about the slow progress of a lot of these land development code amendments. Um, and so one of the things that um, planning director uh, Lauren Middleton Pratt did is she just released an, expedite, an expedited um, kind of uh, timeline for these amendments. And so like amendments to eliminate parking requirements um, by are gonna come back before um, the end of the year. So before December 31st, um, and other provisions will be presented. And so this timeline may be subject to changes based on resources, community engagement, and the complexity of amendments. So stuff like the compatibility amendments, um, I think one of the things that council wanted was that done by the end of the year. But one of the things it's about compatibility is it's extremely complicated, just kind of how it's layered in the code. Um, you know, when I look at it, I think I, I have to have like 80 tabs open just because, you know, it's it's not just one section of the code. You got to look at this section and then you got to go to another section to kind of see how it layers on top of each other. And so, um, you know, just reading it, you can kind of see how complicated it is. So stuff like compatibility will be expected to come back in March 2024. Um, but a lot of these amendments, um, the resolution specifically states that they want it to come back before December 31st. So we will see if they're actually able to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, well, in good state legislature news, uh, I say good because I'm just traumatized from just seeing a lot of <laughs> stuff come from our state legislature that hasn't been pretty good, but this is good news. Uh, so Texas has increased funding for school meals, allowing more Austin ISD students to eat free breakfast. Uh, this is actually really um, impactful. I like news, uh, news story, and just for myself, uh, like I benefited from the free break, free meals at Austin ISD. So, 
um, just, yeah, so starting this upcoming school year, students are eligible for reduced price meals at all campuses and will receive free breakfast. Um, and then while the funding covers breakfast for these reduced priced meals, um, ad they, like advocates hope that the state will eventually provide free lunch uh, for all students to just address child hunger um, just and financial burdens for families and educators. Just there's a lot of due to just rising costs. It's a lot of people are feeling it. A lot of families are feeling it, teachers and um, just even like this um, passage just ensures that at least when a kid is in school, they don't have to like not focus on their on schoolwork because they are hungry. Um, so I really I applause this, that this is uh, happening. No, and this is great. I think also one of the things that um, happens is um, if you owe the school money or you for um, lunch or breakfast, you're not allowed to say graduate, um, buy textbooks, do certain things. So I think this will also alleviate that stress um, and barrier for a lot of students as well. So great to see that coming from the state legislature, um, seeing them use that $32 billion surplus, um, mm -hmm. pretty well. Um, and then also back to city hall, kind of on the budget side of news, the city proposed to reorganize the equity and civil rights offices. And this drew a lot of criticism from community members. Um, so interim city manager, Jesus Garza explained motivations for those changes. Speaking of which, um, happy belated birthday, um, interim city manager, Jesus Garza. Um, it was his birthday yesterday and he got to spend um, almost 12 hours <laughs> on the dais at a city hall meeting. So happy birthday and thank you for that, um, city manager Garza. But back to the news part. Um, so the early draft of the city budget proposed reorganizing several city offices. And this immediately you know, drew criticism from community groups for a lot of reasons. So the offices of equity, civil rights, sustainability and resilience would be combined or made part of other departments potentially reducing their autonomy and ability to set their own agenda. So critics were arguing that this reorganization undermines years of work to improve equity, civil rights, and services to underserved communities. And so, you know, one of the things we've seen in the past year is a lot of work done um, over kind of um, policing in the city and kind of how we um, people are able to file complaints and report stuff on that. And so I think a lot of people are worried that um, work done to combat racism and potential conflicts of interest um, could go away. And so um, the community, a lot of community groups plan to hold a press conference and bring more attention to the issue and seek support from council members. Before they could do that though, um, city manager, interim city manager, Jesus Garza kind of explained his motivations behind those proposed changes. Um, he defended these this reorganization of the four city offices, stating that combining them will give them more um, prominence to help achieve their goals more effectively. Um, but community groups once again said that this um, the lack of criticized the lack of transparency and community involvement in these changes, um, just because a lot of these um, offices kind of came out of community initiatives, and so I think there was a lot of concern about the reorganization, and so. Um, the story's still developing. I think we'll see kind of how this plays out as the budget is approved, um, as well as um, public hearings. And so that will take place um, in the coming weeks. And um, just, yeah, speaking of equity and just more progress. Uh, so council um, adopted, I believe yesterday, like a, just the new pay scale for musicians, like to establish a, just being able to pay musicians more fairly and like 
what they deserve. Uh, uh, so they pretty much take a pay scale that when with a base rate of $200 per musician and a sliding scale for larger groups, uh, the resolution aimed to send pretty much a message about compensating musicians fairly, as well as promoting the value of their work. Um, Austin is known as the live music capital of the world. Um, so a lot of council members and this council recognizes the importance of making sure that musicians who perform here are able to live here. Um, unfortunately, many have been uh, pushed out of the city limits due to rising costs in rent and um, housing. So it's really cool that um, this is going on. So yeah, a lot of affiliated, affiliated agencies expect this uh, new payout, all these guidelines uh, for all sponsored events with, within like live music here in the city. Um, yeah, any thoughts on this, Hannah? Um, this was great. I I love live music in the city. Um, and um, I think it's awesome. You know, we get to see um, music at the council meetings. Um, and so it's really great to know that they're going to be compensated as well. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that the city is known for is live music. We have a lot of, you know, big events, I think, that are huge draws. Um, you know, we've got Austin City Limits, South By, Blues on the Green, um, just a lot of great things that I think, um, you know, lend themselves to musicians coming here, um, as well as, you know, there's so many venues. Um, I think every week I'm seeing a new venue pop up that has been here for like 20 years I just didn't know about. Um, and so it's really great to see that a lot of these are going, a lot of these musicians are now going to be compensated fairly. Because um, um, as someone who owns a guitar and, and plays a lot of instruments, it's really expensive for upkeep of those instruments, as well as just like buying new equipment to, you know, improve your craft. So yeah. really excited. And I hope that this, um, you know, makes Austin kind of um, a place where a lot of great music is coming out of for um, a long time. No, for sure. And even all the transportation costs to get to venues, um, it all adds up. So yeah, it's awesome that there's like discussion and just more implementation coming along the way. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. And that is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for um, listening. And um, we'll be back next week to update you on um, kind of the budget process, how that's going, as well as all other city news. Um, additionally, um, want to give another um, shout out to Councilmember Jose Velasquez. It's his birthday. He'll be having a big birthday party this weekend. Um, and so happy birthday to him. Um, but yeah, hope everyone has a great weekend. Stay cool out there and we will see you next week. See everyone. See ya. Thank you for listening to the BG podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share with your colleagues. The BG podcast is available on Apple podcast, SoundCloud, and Spotify. The BG podcast is a product of the Bingham group LLC an Austin-based lobbying firm serving businesses, nonprofits, and trade associations at the municipal and state level. You can learn more about the Bingham Group at www.binghamgp.com. That's B-I-N-G-H-A-M-G-P.com. And for the latest firm news and content updates, follow us on LinkedIn. We'll have a link in the show notes. Thank you.